Mr. Brent Kelly. Mr. Joey Giangola. How are you, sir? What's going on, man? <laughs> Too much. Just uh, dropped off a little, uh, little, little preschool guy off to preschool. So back, back to finish up a Friday strong. How are you doing? I'm doing our afternoon preschool, huh? You go for the afternoon versus the morning? Yeah, he got he this is a second year of preschool. For whatever reason when he got placed in, that was the only option we have. We'd have preferred to do mornings, but he's been doing afternoons for two years and right. it's working out. It's working out, I guess. So how, how old is your that's your son? Yeah, my son is four. And oh. um, yeah, so we've okay. got we've got fourteen all the way down to yeah. four months. Yeah. I don't, that's not, that's not advisable, Brent. I don't know if anybody told you that, but. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, Joey. I, I get to like, uh, I mean, as you can imagine now with a new baby again, I mean, just in life in general and being busy, like, you know, I don't sleep as much as I should. And I know that it's what yeah. I'm really trying to focus on. I get to Friday. I mean, like right now, and I can, this is when I start to really feel it. I think I can feel my body already kind of knows it's happening. Yeah. And I get to like Friday evening. All I want is a pizza and just lay down and sleep. Like that's terrible. It's like, what happened? But that's just. Uh, pizza sounds pretty amazing though. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> so now for me though, for me, I try to like hold on to like, I just need to do like something for an hour that reminds me that I'm like a human being. Yeah. Um, and then that's like, and that's like, I probably should have went to bed an hour ago, but then I watched like a movie or something. And then it's like a uh, bad idea, Joey. Oh, I, I do that too. I do that too. I got caught up just told how uh, kind of a nerd I am too, but I started, um, the last Netflix thing that I watched was world war two in color. And I, nice. and I start watching this, but I'm like, oh, I got to watch the next episode. But yeah, I'd have stuff where it's like 15 minutes and it's like, I finally get into like getting to bed or get you know, getting ready to yeah. like chill out and it's like 940. And I know I'm going to watch the whole thing. And my goal is to be in bed by like asleep by 10 because I'm trying to get up before five. It never, yeah. ha- it never happens. I wake like 1040 and then a kid wakes up and then I'm like, you know, oh, I'll get through. Yeah. So yeah, so Friday, Friday afternoon is starting to, I'm starting to come down a little bit. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad we picked the absolute peak time for performance for you to record. Hey, this. you know what though? It's okay. Whenever I talk to you, the energy just it just it comes I, right back. I get reinvigorated. Yeah. yeah. So um, this this might crash and burn, but I'm going to toss this out there. And I had something else in mind, but I'm going to see if this is going to work or not. Were you ever awarded producer of the year? Is that a true thing? I don't know if I know that about you. I wasn't producer. Of the, I mean, there was a there was an. Well, it was the same thing you got. I think wasn't it? it was I was never producer of the year. There was that top twelve thing that Property Casualty three hundred and sixty did. Yeah, um, yeah, not the same year. We were not the we were not you were the, the, the best. Whatever. Yeah, you were the was, you were the year after. I think weren't you? Were you twenty thirteen? That was twenty thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't ever won like a producer of the year award. So that would be that would be not correct. Okay. Well, that screws my headline up for this show. It's going to be how to be producer of the year, but um, we don't, neither one of us know how to do that. So, no, no, I mean, uh, if you want to award me that, that's fine, but that would be, you know, that would not be, uh, that would not be ethical. Not be accurate. Yeah. All right. Um, the other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to get, maybe we can do a little bit of both. But so the idea behind the how to be producer of the year is, and we can probably do this, um, is, um, What's some, as it was said to me, I was talking to an agent before jumping on this podcast, what are some brass tacks on how to, whether you actually become producer of the year or not, but it's like, what are some things that you're just going to do like daily habits, routines, actually see kind of achievable results? Well, I got something that I've been 
kind of, in fact, and again, I, I, by the way, I owe you a, I owe you a blog post, which is pretty much done. I, was not, I, gotta say, I wasn't going to say I anything. Know, well, I wasn't even going to, I, I was going to. And if you would have, you know, if you would email me a week ago, it's funny because I, I, I'm like, you know, I had, a, it's in my task thing and the whole deal. And I started working on it and then I had to do another, I had, uh, had two other things I was finishing up, and then we were doing this entire project called the Risk Concierge Program, which I could I, I don't need to talk about the program, but that's basically a, a thing we're putting together for our our members, and so that became a priority. Like you need to get that done. So I was like, okay, yep. And then I had yeah. other coaching calls. So um, I do have majority of it done, and it's going to be titled around something to the effect of. Uh, the only true way to combat digital disruption. I don't know how I'm going to exactly word that, um, but it could tie in as far as producer of the year. I mean, some of the stuff that we're doing is is, is agency focused, but the principles apply directly to producers. And if I was a producer, this is what I would I would you know, and especially if you have a book of business. Now, I don't know if you know you know part of this is what I'm going to talk about has to do with analyzing your current book of business. So if you're starting from scratch. Um, this won't be as applicable, although you can at least look at some of the fundamentals behind it. Um, but yeah, I could talk about, you know, basic, I mean, basic habits. I mean, one of the things, we, you know, we, we do producer camps and um, and had, you know, we had a guy at the last producer camp I was at. I mean, you know, he's got a $3 million book of business. He goes, it's because I've done what, what Roger Sitkins had taught and what you guys are teaching now over and over and over again. <laughs> um, so when you see, when you have producers that are, you know, million plus books of business and they're doing these basic things, which, by the way, are basic. You kind of go, hmm, yeah. maybe <laughs> maybe I should listen to this guy. <laughs> um, All right. Well, let me ask the question: What are some of those things that are so basic? Yeah. Well, there's we focus everything on the four R's. So four R's. Number one is uh, we talk about relationships. Right? You've got to consistently form relationships, and and, and I don't know if. Um, we can dive into this now, but I, when I look at relationships, one of the one of the biggest problems I see with producers, and this is with agencies as, in a whole as well, is that um, we've kind of lost sight in, in the world of shiny object syndrome of all the cool toys and bells and whistles. Um, and by the way, it doesn't mean that the the tools and the bells and the whistles aren't cool. It doesn't mean they're not good. I mean, inherently, they are good. Uh, it's just basically about you know, is it the right focus of time and energy? So I think if I, had to, if I had to summarize everything of what should producers be focused on more than anything is, is are their daily habits results-based activities or activity-based activities? I mean, are they being busy or are they being productive? And um, you know, a lot of what we see is producers simply doing things that they get down at the end of the day and they go, man, I sure was busy today. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and, and they were, and don't get me wrong. They were really, really busy. It's like, well, what did you yeah. actually accomplish? Well, I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. That part I haven't looked at, uh, but man, I was busy. And so, um, there's a lot of aspects of that with, with producers, but you know, I, I go through the four hours. I'll, I'll back up a second here, but results really is the first thing is you've got to understand am I results-based producer and activity-based producer. And, you know, a lot of, um, a, a lot of producers, will uh, will simply be doing things that aren't money making activities and it seems so basic and obvious but when you actually yeah. look at it um, they get stuck in the service world and and one of the concepts that I'm working on this will be part of the the, the, the article I'm, I'm sending to agency nation we focus a lot on a principle that's been around for 110 years and that's the old Pareto principle the 80/20 and most people know it and they hear it and they go oh yeah 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 but I can tell you, and this is doing other research um, and then looking at all the stuff that Sitkin's group has done for years, in almost 100%, at least darn close, 
it holds true for producers that 20% of the activities leads to 80% of their results, 20% of their clients lead to 80% of their profits and revenue. And so in the in the world of busy producers who become very transaction order, you know, transaction minded and order taking minded, which by the way is how can I take orders faster and make transactions faster so I can do more of them to catch up versus saying mm. versus versus saying, how do I go back to what we're really good at, which is relationship yeah. building and risk management? Like be a true risk manager. And they can't be true risk managers because they're busy working on unprofitable accounts. And some people don't want to hear that, but that's a fact that they're they're so busy serving clients who really have no loyalty, who they have very little relationship with, who who are transaction minded. They feel like they owe them an obligation to work on their account and do whatever they can, to quote on whatever they can because I'm an agent and yeah. I have to do it, that they've got this top 20% of their book of business or their ideal client base and they're spending very little time. So how can you build relationships? How can you be a risk advisor? How can you have proactive service, proactive you know, relationship techniques when you're not there? So I kind of went off on a tangent there, but... Um, well, I mean, so the, you said results, right? Yeah. Are you activity-based or results-based? And the one thing that I, I find startling uh is that i you know i i i say it a lot like i feel like i say it too much like in like a podcast or a video or something and then like it, it takes until i am actually directly on a phone call with an agent to like where it actually the light bulb turns on mm -hmm. right um but start with that result what result do you actually want mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah then that determines the activities that you have to do to get it. absolutely um you know it's just like you know it's like i go back to the commercial you know premium or, you know, the commercial commission, mm -hmm. right? It's if you're writing $2,500 commercial accounts, you better be ready to write a whole lot of $2,500 commercial accounts. And yeah, well, that's, I mean, yeah, we got people that say, you know, that come to the producer fit camp that we're running and I, and I say, you know, they're like, well, we want to be a million dollar producer. Mm -hmm. And then we look at their average account yeah. and they're a thousand dollar accounts. <laughs> Are you going to write a thousand more, a thousand dollar accounts? And there's no way you start looking at the numbers. Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of aspects that that doesn't mean, again, by the way, it doesn't mean that small accounts are bad. No, that, it that's does not a little bit, Brent. It does. A, just. But, but well, it, it does because that's where, I mean, it, it but it's, again, it depends on what you want to do. The point of it is if you say you want to be a million dollar producer, understand what the real tangible things you have to do to get to that are. So, right. So real quick, and this is, I, I just, I feel like I need to say it again. Um, if, if you want to do a thousand dollar accounts, you need to have scale. Most agents don't have the right tools. They don't mainly because they just don't exist in the industry to, to get scale, to hit that income goal with yep. selling that. Or yep. it's, are you okay with being a $50,000 producer? You know what I mean? Whatever the number is, right? Yep. That's not good, bad, indifferent or wrong or right or whatever. It's just, that's it. Then you can probably do yep. that. But you, those, yep. you know, make sure they kind of line up, I guess. It frustrates me. I'm sorry. Go on, Brent. No, it, you're right. I mean, it's just, again, it's what, first of all, you're right. What do you want to do? What do you, what do you want to accomplish? And every producer, every agency is different. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's be, I mean, I mean, really here, here's the bottom line of what a lot of agencies and producers can do. And again, if you have an established book of business or even, it's, even if it's a small book of business, you do an 80, 20 analysis on your book of business. You look at your A clients, your B clients, your C clients. And by the way, the A is a top 5%. The B is the next 15%, which is now, now you got your top 20. And the C's are the bottom 80. Now, at some point, you got to figure out what are we going to do with the C's? Now, there's a lot of different things to look at. But if you've got a service team and you can start looking at different ways of, of, of trying to automate things, I mean, there's even the nasty word carrier service center options, right? There's things out there. Yeah. Um, but what you do is you free up your time. 
And you can still get paid on those accounts, at least for a year or, or for, you know, even for a service center ongoing. But you then say, okay, I'm putting all of my time and energy in these top 20% because guess what? I had the best relationships. Yeah. I actually get, I actually, you know, if you ask people, okay, hey, are your biggest clients generally the people that are also good friends? And they'd be, yeah, heck yeah, right? So spend your time there because what happens and actually have a retention strategy where you're doing proactive things, you're doing risk management things, you're being very intentional with your time. And, and guess what? Guess what happens? Not only do you are able to round out accounts, you're able to retain more accounts. So you're not fighting for this one day a year thing called the renewal. Oh, I hope I get the renewal. I hope we keep it. Yeah. Like, no, you, you, you've already established that. You've put the rules of the game ahead of time. That's where your focus is. And, and, and guess what? Then you can replicate. And, and producers say, well, you know, are referrals important to your business? 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, how many are actually asking or doing things to earn them? And it's really small. All the hands go down. Oh, well, not really. And so if you focus, just looking at the 80-20 from a very simplistic view, and you are able to find ways to trade down in good ways, your 80%, focus your time and energy as a producer on the top 20%, give them that ultimate client experience that everyone wants to talk about, set up a strategy for that, actually do risk surveys, right? Be, be, be more than an insurance transaction guy, be a risk person. That's what you're is. Yeah. And, and, and they go, wow, no one's done that before. Hey, would you know some, someone else or I've, I've, you know, whatever the business is or if it's personal lines, then suddenly referrals aren't so hard because you don't, you know, a lot of people say, well, why don't you get referrals? Why don't ask? Why don't you ask? Subconsciously, they don't ask because they know they haven't deserved them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's the truth. I've been there, Joey, as a producer, I go, man, I'll ask for a referral, but I don't know that I've really done anything to deserve it. <laughs> um, yes. Um, a lot of that. And back to being a risk manager, right? Mm -hmm. You said the dirty word of, of carrier service centers. Mm -hmm. um, if you are only that order taker, that, that processor, that servicer, yep. then that is the only thing of value that you have. And if you're not doing it, then what are you doing, right? But if you, it's amazing what happens when you are an actual risk manager as mm -hmm. to the things that they really don't care if you do. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, are we in the information business? Or are we in the service business? I, I ask this question all the time. And, um, you know, I, I, if you're truly a risk manager and you've proven that, Hey, your brain is going to give them information to prevent some bad things from happening better than any other, anybody else they've ever talked to. They really don't care if Tim Smith is processing whatever change or no. piece of information like that is of no consequence to them. They still want to have access to the smart things that you have yet to tell them. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's no, it's, that's a hundred percent accurate. I, I mean, you know, part of it, I, yeah, I use the word carrier service center and a lot of agencies look at me like, how dare you say that? We, we, we have relationships. And, you know, and here's the honest question. I would say, well, let's just go back to my 80-20. If, if right. you looked at your, 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 your bottom 80% and you call them right now, how would they, how would they relate to your relationship? What would they say about you? And, well, because the reality of it is most of the times those bottom 80% are treated with benign neglect anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they really are other than, hey, I need a certificate. I have a, pro you know, the, the typical, again, the reactive versus proactive. I think most agencies can do pretty good reactive service. But why? My, my question is, is if that's all they're getting, why not transfer or trade that down to someone who's got better technology, who has more resources, right? It can do probably a better job at trans. In fact, I know they can do a better yeah. job of transactional selling than you can. Yeah. And then... 
be that true risk manager to either uh, whether you have a niche market or you know a certain demographic, whatever it is. Because by the way, as you know, Joey, I mean, being a risk manager, if you, you can say you are, but to actually be one, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you've got to offer value where it goes back to, I had a mentor of mine a couple of years ago. Um, he talked about the law of compensation. And I've mentioned this a couple of times, but the law of cons- compensation basically says, um, you know, is there a need for what you do in the marketplace? And the answer for insurance is yes. Right? Do you have the ability to do it, to fulfill that need? Yes. Okay. Most people, most Asians, I won't say all, most have the ability to do that job. The last question is where they get stuck, right? What is the value in replacing you? Meaning that if you were gone tomorrow, how does their life change? (laughs) You know, and, and I mean, let's be honest for the majority of insurance agents out there, if their agent were to disappear and float away to some weird planet tomorrow, their life doesn't change. And, if you are a risk manager who is is very intentional and proactive as saying, here's, I want to sit down and go through this. Now, again, not everybody wants that level of service, yeah, but the right ones do. And you're going above and beyond having real discussion, asking real questions, <laughs> spending time building a real relationship, uh, authentic, right? I guess that would be the word behind all of that. Suddenly it's like, I, I couldn't imagine not having Joey. Or whoever, or that agency. So, so I'd be yeah. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this. The one thing that I think this is just a guess, but I think the one thing that holds up a lot of that is um, people's fear of being wrong and of just putting a recommendation out there, right? Like of saying, like mm-hmm. I have complete confidence in this thing, and it might not be the you know it might not be common knowledge, it might not be pop, you know popular public you know consensus, but. This is what I see as, you know, just the, I mean, again, being a health insurance guy, like years and years, like, what is it, what are we looking at? What's it going to be next year? It's like, so I have to look at it and say, well, you know what? It's going to be chaos for the next couple of years. I don't know, but this is my guess. Right. And, um, the ability to kind of just go out on a limb and say, listen, based on my experience, my knowledge, these are the things that I can anticipate you experiencing. Um, do you think that's, I mean, I, I feel like that's, uh, that a lot of people are not naturally geared to make that. Yeah. Recommendation. Well, no, I think that's a fair fear. I think there is that. Um, I think a couple of things come to mind. Number one is, you know, even as a, as an expert, quote unquote expert, or as an advisor, as a consultant, whatever you want to call yourself, you're much better off asking questions than agreeing with the client on those questions than telling them what they need to think and do. Um, and, and again, there's kind of a balance there. There is definitely a skill set in that. Uh, at the end of the day, they're coming to you for advice, but does it meet what they're looking for? I mean, you know, I've had situations where you want to come in and like, man, you've got to have this coverage. Well, that's according to me. That's my value system, not theirs. So I, I think, you know, the great producers that I see, they ask enough questions to where they really get to the heart of it. Yeah. Um, and then mm-hmm. say, you know, based on what you've told me, this is what I hear. Does it sound right? Yes. Well, here's some things that I, that I think may be of interest to you. Right. And then, you know, then it's a real conversation, right? It's not, I come in and go, well, I see you're a restaurant. So here's the four things you need. So are you going to buy it? Um, You know, there's just, there's a difference there. I think the second thing too, I would say, and we've, you know, everybody's talked about this, but the idea of specialization and just being something that some people should do, I I believe more and more we'll get in the next five or 10 years that you're either a specialist or you're not in the sense that you're either going to know your industry (laughs) or or you're going to be lost. (laughs) Um, Because, that's just a reality. I mean, if you've got people, well, I've got 17 niches. Well, then you don't have any. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to come in and be a risk advisor, to, 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, but I've heard that. I mean, it's like, yeah. well, no, you don't. You don't have a niche. I mean, you're you're a generalist. Um, you know, we've all it's a good sales especially. job from a generalist is what that is, Brent. That's a good sales. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't. And by the way, it doesn't mean that you can't. Again, if you're a generalist who's got 17 different type of industries you work with, and I mean, hey, listen, the great thing about this industry is that you can be pretty average and still make good money. I mean, yeah. for the most part, right? that's, that's, that's the bottom line. The question is, do you want to take your business to the next level? Well, if you want to be a true risk advisor and risk manager, you really need to get to know a couple industries or whatever that is for you. And again, whether it's health insurance or even personal lines, you know, certain aspects of that. Um, because listen, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to my general practitioner when I have a heart issue. I'm just not, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, And and very true. If you want to be a true risk advisor, you've got to be known for something. You can't just be, I'm known because I give quotes and have competitive rates. We have good service. We have been as for a hundred years and we're local. Well, so is everybody else. (laughs) So I I think part of back to the fear, I think number one is you got to be realize that you're a, you should be asking questions more than you're talking. And number two is that you need to find a niche an industry, some specialty that you can really, truly become confident that, you know what, I, I do know this inside and out and that I'm very confident what I'm delivering. So, because I, I kind of want to still use the headline, how to be the producer of the year. Um, I don't know that we can fully deliver on that, but I want to ask you this question because I think, I think this is, I think this leads to becoming at least a producer of some sort of, you know, category in your own world, right? Like, it's yeah. like you know, exceeding your own expectations or winning your own award if you want to make yourself a trophy i'm not going to stop you um you know what's one thing that either you did as an agent or that you're even currently doing now um it's that daily thing that you just say i need to do this x amount of times with this amount of frequency for this reason and you know that if you show up and and that thing gets done regardless of everything else the 80 20 sort of thing you Mm -hmm. know that you'll be generally okay what do you have one of those yeah, getting in front of people and having conversations for people that can pay you. Um, listen, uh, this goes back, you know, one of the things that we talk about, and I'll share it here, is the producer's perfect schedule. Uh, and I'm not going to say, in fact, you know, no one's going to, it's perfect for a reason. No one can attain perfection. Um, but, but when you follow it and you understand that, you know, again, what are my money making activities? Uh, and again, whether you like the term, I know you've had a, a post out there about producer, you know, being kind of a, a strange term and I get all that, but at the end of the day, your job is to bring in income, right? I mean, that ultimately is you need to produce. That's where the name comes from. Um, and, and by the way, how you do that, there's a lot of different factors of that of building relationships and those things we've talked about, but day in, day out, um, if I'm spending time in my office going through emails uh, if I'm spending time, you know, talking to whoever at the water cooler, if I'm spending time um, trying to quit up a bunch of transactional stuff on monoline accounts or whatever, small bop accounts that don't produce any revenue, and I'm not having real conversations, and again, this could be in person or on the phone, with people who are my ideal client, who can fill the pocket, you know, fill the agency pipelines and all those kind of things, and I'm not consistent with that, then I got a major problem. Um what was what was, the, what was the number one way that you were that you would get those conversations started? Like, what was your trick? The, the actual conversation and appointments, you mean, or just in general? Like you said, so your your thing was have have the conversation to the people that can pay you money, right? Yeah. Um, how did you how did you make that happen? What was that thing that you did consistently that made that happen? Well, I think the very first thing. There's a number of things, but the very first thing is have something of value to say. 
um, that <laughs> that differentiates you from everyone else. And we hear that all the time, but most agencies don't do it. Most agents don't do it. Most producers don't do it. Um, you know, what, what, what is something you provide? How is your process different than anyone else? Um, listen, I may, I may, I'm going to ruffle some feathers here, but if your website says a free, no obligation quote, you look like everybody else and you have no differentiation. Brent, that's not unique. Come on. Really? <laughs> What's that? The, the free quote, that's not something that makes you stand out. Oh, yeah. Can you believe that? Right. A free quote. Gosh, who wouldn't want that? It's such um, an amazing thing. It's like so, a gift from God. Yeah. I mean, so listen, one of the things that, you know, there are a lot, I mean, again, there are a lot of things like what's the one thing you'd want to do? Well, first of all, again, identify the type of client that you want to work with, right? I mean, again, it sounds very simplistic, like, oh, duh. But no, like have a plan, identify the type of client you want to work with, create a message of value. Right? And by the way, some of this takes a little bit of time and thought. Most people don't want to think like, what is it that we do as an agency or I do as a producer or our team does that other agencies aren't providing? You don't have to get really complex here, but what is that? What is the problem or pain that you're addressing? And that becomes an opening, you know, that becomes your, your discussion point. And, and by the way, the conversation with people isn't, hey, Joey Giangola, um, you know, I'm an insurance agent with such and such agency. Um, would I be able to, to stop by next week and, and we can talk about insurance and I can give you a quote? Um, how about have a message of value of, of here's, here's how we're a little different. What I'd like to do, you know, basically I'm a risk manager, explain what that looks like um, and say, listen, I would love to have a conversation with you sometime. Um, and all that conversation is about is to see if there's a mutual interest in moving forward. You may or may not be the right fit for our agency and I may not be the right fit for you. So there's no pressure on this. Right. Let's just have a conversation. So you, you, to me, if you're trying to sell off X dates and that's all you're doing is having these, call, okay, 90 days out, I got to call these people. These are my X date list. Well, they're already getting bombarded with people. So my thing is if you want to build your pipeline and you want to do the consistency every day to have these ongoing conversations mm -hmm. with people who can buy from you, you need to be having those conversations all the times of the year with the right people. So when you're nine months out and they say, well, listen, uh, listen, Joey, I'm, I'm not interested in a quote. I, uh, I just renewed. Oh, I totally understand that. I'm not here to quote. I just want to get to know you and your business and then can have your proposition and determine if there may be an opportunity to work together down the road. So th those are some things that most people won't do that because that takes time and they're too busy putting out fires and trying to get quotes in for the next 90 days. The the agent that I was always the most scared of or that I thought was had the deadliest combination of skills, if you will, was that ex-date agent who figured out what he was about. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, they're going to, the actual purchase process is going to happen, you know, obviously closer to X date. I mean, why, why wouldn't it? But part of it is, again, I'm looking at is how do you set yourself apart initially? Again, whether that's on X date or off X date, that you've got a message of value because listen, you say, listen, I'm not here to provide you a quote. I'm here to do risk analysis, but you've got to have risk analysis that you can actually offer. Uh, and some people say, hey, I'm not interested in that. Fine. Um, more importantly, Joey, to go back, and again, I'm, I'm going to go back to the beginning of this. You know, we look at if you took your top, here, here, here's a, a, an action item that any producer could do, especially if you have any type of book of business. So I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. Take your top 20% of book of business. So run a book of business report. Look at your top 20%. Look at that, trying to find patterns and ideas and look at them and go, how can I go back to them right now? Because there's a good chance that you're not offering a lot of proactive service. What are a few things you could do? What are some ideas you could you could share? What are some risk things you could talk about? Right, and actually do that. So round out 
and find areas you can round out because we believe that if you've got an A client, they should be full-time clients. It's one of the reasons why people leave you. So what are other lines of business you'd help them with? How do you have this continuation program where you retain them? Again, not renew accounts. Renewals happen once a year. Continuations happen all the time. You're building relationships. And then lastly, how do you replicate it? So, you know, to me, at some point, you're going to have to go out and do some prospecting, obviously, when you're getting started. But if you want to be a a referral-based producer, I guess it goes back to what I said earlier, Joey, then earn referrals. Go out to your top clients who already like you and add more. Right? Give them more. Do something with them. The gold is already in your book of business. Then take that, round it out, retain that business, and then find ways to replicate through referrals and through, um, you know, through referrals and through other things, through testimonials and centers of influence. So to me, that's just that constant. But to me, it goes back to the beginning is you've got to be very intentional on is what I'm doing today results focused or am I just busy and I feel good being busy? No, I think, I think, um, I think I agree. And I think I'm going to leave the podcast at that. <laughs> I was going to ask the beginning, like, I, th- I think you're recording. I know it's how you do this kind of stuff, but yeah, anyway. no, we're done. Yeah. We did the podcast, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hey, hey, edit all the parts that I, I said something stupid. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, sure you, I'm no. sure you won't. I'm sure you won't, but I appreciate I, the thought. Um, I will do my best to at least think about doing it. Um, we went about 30 minutes and, um, I usually like to try and keep it to around 20. So maybe there's 10 minutes that gets chopped out, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, whatever, whatever you need to do, it's your world. I'm just glad to be part of it, Joey.